evening, church. Do you believe that this evening? Yes, he did. And yes, he can. You know, the devil tried to attack something on Sister Candace and Brother Andrew saying there was no possible way. But yes, he did. And yes, he can. The devil tell you, you can't be healed. Cancer's going to take you down. But yes, he did. And yes, he can. Oh, did he defeat depression? Yes, he did. And yes, he can. Did he illuminate or, or alleviate your fears? Yes, he did. And yes, he can. There ain't a demon can stand before this God. There ain't a power that can stand before you tonight. Because yes, he did. He saved. He filled. He delivered. And I'm going to tell you tonight, he can. Oh, he can tonight. He can be your portion. Oh, yes, he did, church. And yes, he can tonight. Oh, hallelujah. You're in the right place. Yes, he did. Every mountain has to move. And every sea of difficulty has to be parted. Because I'm looking at sons and daughters of God tonight. Oh, if you just recognize who you are. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, we just want to greet you tonight. We've been away a few weeks ministering and taking in some special meetings, but it's great to be home. It's always great to be back here. Got to listen to Brother Matthew McGarry's message yesterday that he preached Sunday, and what a fantastic job he did. You know, it's so wonderful to see God continue to raise up ministry to as the prophet of God would say, to sweep it to the coming of the Lord. And church, we're close. I mean, we're close. I don't know how much further we got, how much longer we got, but we're close. Brother L, we're, we're on the brink. We're on the brink. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to look here at a familiar scripture. And I'm just going to pour my heart out. I was coming back about three weeks ago from Brother Danny Steeman's church, and we had a tremendous, tremendous outpouring of the Spirit there. And on the plane back, the Lord just kind of dropped this thought in my heart, and I began to study it on the plane, and I've just filled the leadership tonight to bring it before you. So I want to speak to you tonight on God Does Impossible Math Part 9, but Jesus Christ the same today. We're taking this Jesus that we believe, and he's coming out of history. He's no longer going to be a God of yesterday to you, but he's Jesus Christ today. And if I can give another subtitle to this, sirs, we are seeing Jesus. We are seeing Jesus. So just follow me through the scriptures this evening. We find here in Hebrews 13 and verse 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. But our emphasis is not yesterday, but our emphasis today is today. So if you, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for well, just a good time of worship in your presence. Father, we thank you that your word is true. And there's not one thing that we will face as a people, Lord, but what you hadn't already defeated. Lord, you delivered cancer. You did and you can. You healed heart trouble. You did and you can. Father, you set the captive free. You did and you can. Lord, there was not a sinner that walked in your presence that desired to be set free but wasn't set free. You did it and you can. And God, we believe tonight that you're still Jesus, the Jesus that walked the shores of Galilee, the Jesus that did mighty miracles 60, 70 years ago is the same Jesus that's present with us at Evening Light Tabernacle tonight, the same Jesus that's around the world to the true bride of Christ that's preaching this anointed gospel. God, we believe tonight that you're the same. And we're asking, Lord, that you'll just speak to us. 
May you just break the bread of life, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. So if you can, you can have your seats tonight. We find here, though, in in Hebrews 13, 8, the Bible would tell us that Jesus Christ is the same. Not maybe the same, but he is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know how the prophet of God would tell us men are always talking about what God had done and look forward to what God is doing, but they fail to realize what God is doing right there in their midst. And my desire tonight is to, is, is to open our eyes. We don't fail to see who it is in our midst, who it is that comes to our services, who it is that's outpouring himself among us. And the prophet of God will tell us in the message, sirs, we will see Jesus he said the Bible would tell us he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He ever remains God, and he is just as great with his people when he finds believers today. He's as great God today when he finds believers today as he ever was. And he says, and I believe the word to be this Bible, to be the word of God, just no more, no less. I know that God can do things that is not written in the Bible because he's God. How many can say amen to that? He says, but as long as I know that what I see him doing, he is written in here, that he will do it, then I know I'm right that way. He says, and it just, if he just keeps that much, it'll be enough for me because I see in there that he says he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed. He says, so that finishes the journey for me. What about you tonight, church? Does that same scripture finish the journey to you tonight? That by his stripes, you may have walked in with some sickness, but by his stripes tonight, you are already healed. He's the same yesterday, today, in this service tonight as he ever was. He says, but what the trouble today is we have too much of this thing God was and God isn't now. See, the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just as much God today as he was then. He will always be God. If he ever was God, he will always be God. He cannot lie. He cannot get old. He cannot change his mind. He cannot make new decisions on things that he's already made decisions on. His first decision was right as if it, and forever to be right, or he made the wrong decision when he made the first decision. He has to keep every word of God. He has to keep his first decision. He's perfect. He's infinite. And he cannot change. Do you hear me tonight, church? Our God that we serve is declaring to you tonight that he is the same today as he was yesterday, and he cannot change. And his first decision concerning you tonight is his best decision. He said, now that's a consolation that we must have. Anybody seeking God must have that firm consolation that God cannot change. Malachi 3 and verse 6, for I am the Lord and I change not. See, God is God and he don't ever change. He don't care what seminary you go to, that don't change God. He don't care where you come from, that doesn't change God. He's God if you love him, he's God if you don't. He's God if you'll serve him, he's God if you won't. He's still God. Oh, let me tell you, he's God that heals cancer, and he's the God that heals TB. He's the God that heals all of our troubles, and I know tonight that he's healed me. 
Let's talk about a sister Candace. We're talking about a God that came down in this day and healed the wound that the devil said was buried. But God is still God, and it cannot change. They want to call us holy rollers. They want to make fun. Hey, I got the Holy Ghost, and I'm living in the sun. Call me what you want. One day he's going to call me gone. He's the God that saved me. He's the God that filled me too. He's the God that erased my past, and I know he's here for you. Whatever your need is, this God that I'm talking about tonight does not change. He can't change, and he won't change. And let me tell you, you may be in the midst of your uncertainties. You may be in the midst of the most difficult trial of your life. Sickness may be threatening to take you down. You may be at the lowest point, and you don't see how you're going to keep going. But I'm here to tell you tonight, you've got to have that consolation. God is God, and he cannot change. God is God, and he will not change. God is God, and God never changes. No matter my situation, brother Aaron, God cannot change. He has to ever remain the same. God can't, God doesn't, and God won't change his mind regarding you. Did you hear me? God can't, God won't, and God doesn't change his mind. Young people, get that in your mind tonight. You wake up every morning, the devil's there to buffet you, tell you, well, you ain't got nothing. You never got nothing. You just jumped, ran, just got emotional, just got in the flesh. God does it. God can't. And God won't change his mind concerning you tonight. See, his first decision concerning you in your life is his best decision. And it cannot be altered. It can't. You don't put God in a lab and try to tweak what he's done. Because what he's done is the best that he can do. So we find here in John 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Notice, we. We beheld his glory. The glory as the only one begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In the message token, the prophet of God will tell us Satan has thrown all kind of counterfeits and shaking of hands and evidences and everything like that. He says, forget it. The hour has arrived that the token itself, not some counterfeit, not some make-believe, some substitutionary thing. He says, the hour is here when the token himself is identifying himself right among us. Not something pie in the sky. Not something in yesterday. But the very evidence of God is identifying himself right here tonight in this service. You may have walked in here tonight and said, what is God going to do? I'm going to tell you what God's going to do. He's going to do exactly what he wants to do. And if you'll just let go tonight and say, God, if you want to use me, if you want to go through me tonight, God, I'm here. I'm here to be a yielded vessel to you tonight. God, don't change. Let your word come forth tonight. Remember, we're speaking about Jesus Christ the same today. Sirs, we're seeing Jesus. See, he goes on to say now, the hour is here when the token himself is identifying himself right among us and proving that he is the same Jesus today and forever, and he's right with the word. It's got to be applied. A man that says that he's got the token to deny this word, he said, then what about that? You can't do it. The token has got to be there. The blood shall be a token unto you. The Holy Ghost, the life that was in the blood, is a token unto you. 
The Holy Ghost is the token. The case is closed. Young people, you're wrestling whether you got the Holy Ghost or not. The case is closed once you do. The case is closed. Satan can knock. Satan can buffet. Satan can accuse. Satan can assault. But Satan can't access it. Because once you get baptized and filled with that Holy Spirit and that token life is displaying himself out from you, the case is closed. Brother Brandon will tell us in the message of perseverance, he says, I believe the virtue is in Christ and Christ is the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now the word itself comes back in the form of the Holy Ghost into us. Notice, the word itself comes back in the form of the Holy Ghost into us. Not in a seminary, not in a denomination, not in a creed, not in a dogma, but in living vessels here tonight, representing and testifying and declaring that Jesus of yesterday is the same Jesus of tonight. He's the very same God. Because it's the very same Word. He says, now the word itself comes back in the form of the Holy Spirit. And it's the word in you. See, God in you. So many wants to point to God, to some mystical something way away, so far away that they overreach it. God is in you. Man, what a revelation. How many of you felt like God was in you this morning when you woke up? No, if you're honest, you looked in that mirror and that dragon breath you had, like, ain't no way God's living in here. He done saw your failures, you done saw your mistakes, and you just got out of bed. But God is in you. The Bible would tell us in Colossians 1 and verse 26, even the mystery, the secret, which had been hid from ages and from generations, but now, that word now is at this very moment. For some of you right now, at this very moment, that mystery is being illuminated. Some of you young people, matter of fact, some of you older people who've just been going through the motions are going to realize who you really are. So he says now, the scripture says, even the mystery, the secret, which had been hid from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest or otherwise made visible to his saints. To whom God will make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ. Where? Come on, church. That was weak. Come on. Christ where? Christ in you is the hope of glory. Not Christ living out in some denomination. Not Christ somewhere else in some other church, in some other, uh, other facility. But Christ here tonight, not just occupying the pews, but Christ in you, going to school with you, going to the workplace with you, coming to church with you. When you get inside that presence, when Christ is there, what does it do? It illuminates the light of God inside of us. And what does it do to a service? It electrifies a service when you bring Christ into the building. When you bring your worship into the house of God. And Christ begins to display himself because Christ loves to be worshipped. So Christ is in you. I mean, even in my failures, Brother Joe, absolutely. Brother Bramble said the entire Bible is the entire revelation of Jesus Christ making himself known in every age. The entire Bible is the entire revelation 
of Jesus Christ. Well, what do I got to do? Eat the Bible? No. You got to digest the word. You got to take the book from the hand of the messenger. You got to eat it. And you got to prophesy. You have to become one with this word, with this message. So that your life is manifesting that word that is said to be in us. The mystery that's been hidden down through all the ages is now. Now, tonight, around the world, what we have been seeing, what have we been witnessing, that's not the orchestration of a man, but that's the Son of Man moving in his body. But a man would tell us in service we would see Jesus. He said, his word, see, that's the standard. So his word is a standard. He said, now there's where many things we can say. He goes, or excuse me, he goes, there are many things that we can say. And men can say anything I guess they desire to say. But to God to say it, that makes it right. For God to say something concerning this generation, that's what makes it right. Then if God says it, then it comes back and proves it that what he did it say. He says, then there's no question there if there is, it's all right. So he says, if God comes back and proves what he says, then there's no question to it. It's all all right. And when he said he's going to make known or reveal this mystery unto who? The Gentiles or to, to us in this hour. So we find here that it's no longer Christ of yesterday, but Christ the anointing is here in living vessels tonight. It's Christ in you. Christ the word. Christ the anointing. Not Christ of 2,000 years ago. Not Christ of 60 years ago. But Christ among us tonight doing the very same things that he did 2,000 years ago. So it's not Christ in the prophets, not just in the ministry, not just in the deacons, but the same anointing that was in Jesus when he was made manifest is the same anointing that's in you tonight. The same anointing. 1 John 1 and verse 1. That which was from the beginning. Which we have heard, we have heard, not plural, not distinguished to any one man ministry, but we. God's allowing you to take part. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we with our eyes, plural, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. See, it's got to be more than Christ on the pages of a Bible. He's not coming to redeem Bibles. He's not coming to redeem your PCs and your iPads and your iPhones that's got the table on it. He's coming to redeem living vessels. He's coming to redeem the word that is being made flesh in this hour. And the prophet of God will tell us, and we can hang our soul on any word of the Bible. See, it's God's word. And we find that he's going to judge the world by Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is what? He is the word. For in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. And the word was made flesh. And the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the word. And this is Christ in letter form. So if God is going to judge the world by Jesus Christ, 
And Jesus Christ is the word. And now that word, or shall we say that same Christ, is living in you tonight. Then where or who is God going to judge the world by? He's going to judge the world by the living God, living himself, manifesting himself through living vessels that are here tonight. Those that have become the very manifestation of a living God. Sirs, we are seeing Jesus, not Jesus of yesterday, not Jesus of the history books, but a living God living and manifesting himself among the people where the sick can come in and they can walk out healed. Where the barren can come in and walk out fruitful in their womb. Why? Because it's not of the works of a man, but it's a living God living himself through a people. This word taking on flesh. This word taking on flesh. God is going to judge the world by the life you live, Brother Johnny. The word may manifest in you is the standard by which God is going to judge this world by. And we know the enemy comes in and he assaults us. But every time God raises that standard. See, Satan can't destroy you because God is there to lift the standard. To raise you up above that trial. What is it? It's not him coming down and picking you up. But it's him inside of you. Living himself through you. To raise your faith up above the heartache. To raise your faith above the situation. To raise your faith up to know that he can move a mountain. Yes, he did and yes, he can. Then he can part the Red Seas in your life. Yes, he did and yes, he can. So when he comes to raise that standard, it's an element of faith that raises up within the believer that says, if God done it then, then God can do it tonight. If God healed back then, then God can heal me tonight. If God saved the lost one back then, then God can save a lost one tonight. Because why? Because he's still God and he cannot change. But see, Satan wants to point to your failures. How many of you got up this morning and Satan was already attacking, pointing at your faults? Nobody wants to raise their hand. That's fine. I'll raise my hand for y'all. See, Satan wants you to point to your failures, your faults, your inconsistencies. He stands before you at every turn accusing you of this and accusing you of that and pointing to your mistakes. But God is coming to this generation in this day to take your focus off of your humanity. To turn your focus off your failures. Turn your focus off of your your humanity and that genetic curse that's been passed down and turn your eyes back to what? The Word. Not just the Word in print form, but the Word in living form. That Christ is living through you. Yeah, you're a dual being. Spirit on the inside, flesh on the outside. But this flesh has got to come subject to the Spirit, the Word that's on the inside. But we find, so it's hard sometimes. It's hard to see Jesus living in our lives because of why? Come on, church. Are y'all asleep tonight or what? I know I'm preaching to a bunch of cherubs. But many times it's hard for us to see Jesus living because when we wake up in the morning, we see our failures. Let me tell you, nobody knows your failures the way you know your failures. Nobody knows the mind battles that you face like you know the mind battles that you face. But I'm here to tell you tonight that God is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? God's going to raise the standard. And I'm telling you, he has raised the standard. And it's no longer the work of a man, but it's the work of the Son of Man moving and displaying himself through his physical body on earth tonight. So we find it hard to see Jesus 
That's why God sent a prophet. Turn you away from your failures. Turn you away from the creeds. Turn you away from the dogmas. Turn you back to Jesus. Not Jesus of 2,000 years ago. A God of history. But of Jesus today. What is he doing today? What is he doing in the ministry today? What has he done at Evening Light Tabernacle over the last several years? What have we have seen in the last year? Service that are just so spontaneous with the moving of the Spirit. You know, I was thinking about this tonight as I watched Brother Ron Saturday and Sunday. And you know, and you, you come to a service after watching those kind of meetings and you think, my goodness, you would love to have that same outpouring breakthrough here tonight. But you, it's, not, it's not something that man can, man can work up himself. It's a sovereign move of the Spirit of God. But if we would realize tonight who God is and where God is, then we can ha- possibly have that same kind of outpouring because God is not limited to Grottis, Virginia, or Elkton, Virginia, or Tennessee, or over here in Texas, or in Louisiana. God is unlimited in his power. God is unlimited in his nature. And God is ready to display himself to a darkened generation that I'm not dead. I'm no longer in a grave, but I'm risen today. And you're not going to find me in a physical body of 2,000 years ago, but you're going to find me tonight in a bride body, in a multi-member body, a body with long hair, a body that's living the life, a body that displays the same Christ. Believing the same word, overcoming the same battles is being displayed in men and women tonight. Jesus Christ, the same today. John 12 and verse 20. And there came certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. And the same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethesda of Galilee. And they desired him, saying, Sir... We want to see Jesus. How many want to see that tonight? Sirs, I want to see Jesus. I want to look past the veil of humanity, and I want to see Jesus. See, man will fail you. And if you are only looking at man, you're going to go away disappointed. But even though that man, that vessel may have hurt you or or failed you, but if you can look past that vessel... And you can sense Jesus on the inside. And I'm not talking about just a ministry. I'm talking about some of you that are sitting here tonight who have been hurt by your fellow brother or your fellow sister. When you can look past that and see Jesus in there, there's forgiveness, there's grace, there's mercy, there's no grudges. You can realize that we're all, everyone the same, pressing the same battle. Doing what we can to do a, to live according to the word of God and allow that word to permeate through our lives. But we find these men come. You know, here they serve. We would see Jesus. So there was something pulling these Greeks. They had heard about Jesus. They had been told about the miracles. They heard about blind Bartimaeus receiving his sight in Mark 10. They heard about the healing of the nobleman's son in John 4. How the evil spirits were cast out of a man in Mark 1. The healing of the leper in Matthew 8. How the... Jesus raised the widow's son of Nain, Nain in Luke 7 and the raising of Jairus' daughter in Mark 5 and the feeding of the 5,000 in Luke 9 and how he walked on water in John 6. They heard all these wonderful things, but now they wanted to see them. 
Now they wanted to meet this, this one, this one that had the ability to do the supernatural, to do the miracles. They heard about the miracles. They heard about the healing. They heard about the raising of the dead. But now they wanted to see him. I'm going to tell you, church, we've heard about the mysteries. We've heard about the, the healings that took place 50, 60 years ago. But I want to meet Jesus tonight. I want the same God that healed it back in the 40s, in the 50s, in the 60s to be the very same God and displaying himself for you and your need tonight. If he ever was God, he's still God tonight. If he ever healed, he's still a healer tonight. Notice now, we want to see Jesus. I want to just hear about him. Though that's great, it builds our faith. But I want to see him. I want to see him. I want to see him manifested. I want to see him lived out. I want to see an outpouring. I'm not trying to work you up. I'm not trying to say we just, I want to see a bunch of signs and wonders tonight. But no, I want to see an overcoming life. I want to see sons and daughters rise above this, uh, this Laodicean age that's trying to lull you asleep. And some of you have been lulled to sleep by Laodicea and your heart has no desire to serve God. But I want to see God move upon that heart tonight and begin to soften the hardness of that heart to where that word can begin to permeate down inside there. And as I spoke to you the last time, how that, that in the mind you've got to go up and grab that word and let that word pass from the mind down into the heart. And when you do that as a son and daughter of God, then life can flow out. Then Jesus Christ can't become displayed among sons and daughters. Notice now, he's the same yesterday, Brother Aaron. He's the same today. The only thing that is different is his corporal body. My, 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 my. Look at your neighbor. That's when you turn your head. Man, you look and you're like, man, Brother Joe, my neighbor needs to put a smile on their face. Some of them do. They didn't know. Well, we're just not, we're going to power past that. You look at your neighbor again. Sirs, we are seeing Jesus. Lemuel. What happened to you at Oklahoma was nothing short of Jesus displaying his life through you. He says, I'm going to have sons of God and lay Laodicea that's going to overcome. I'm going to have young men to rise above pornography, and I'm going to live through them. See, the only thing is different, church, is the corporal body. In the message of Blind Bartimaeus, 1956, he said, He's got to be the same in principle, the same in power, the same in every way, only in the corporal body, and he's using us. Oh, my. Next time you get short fuse and want to go off, oh, I got one, come on. Yeah. You ask that question, is Jesus living in me? See, he's the same, the only thing different, same in principle, same in power, same in every way, except the corporal body, and he's using us. Church, you can't look to the church world to display Christ. 
bobbed hair women, earrings, makeup, sh- uh, wearing clothes that pertain to a man. And by the way, it's already flipped now. You got men dressing in drag and going to church. And, and you got homosexual preachers behind the pulpit. But I'm talking about a living God declaring the same word that he preached 2,000 years ago that had been made manifest down through the ages is now being made manifest. And even like tabernacle is being now made manifest around the world with who? With sons and daughters of God. Sirs, we are seeing Jesus not yesterday, but today in this service, in this hour, in this generation, in this age. Jesus Christ is declaring himself the same. He's declaring himself, I am the same. Only thing is different is I chose a different body. That's the mystery. That's the secret. That's what's blinded so many down through the ages. He has morphed himself, God in morphe. Now he's no longer in that singular body, the anointed man. Now it's the anointed people. Oh my. Oh, church, I hope you're getting what we're saying tonight. Where is he at, Brother Joe? He's here. He's here. Brother L, he's here. What is he doing? He's overcoming cancer in your life. He's overcoming unbearance in your life. He's overcoming fears in your life. He's overcoming depression in your life. Who, where is he at? He's here. What is he doing? He's overcoming. He's raising the standard. He's living, expressing, moving himself in men and women. Where is he at? He's here tonight. He's in the service tonight. You brought Jesus Christ to the service tonight. Brother Brown will tell us, Jesus don't have any hands but yours. How many of y'all got hands tonight? Raise them up. Both of them. Now I want you to say, Jesus, you can have my hands. You can have my hands. Maybe I put my hands to things that didn't honor you. But Lord, from tonight, I want you to have my hands. He said, he has no hands but your hands and mine. You are what? You, we are the branches. He is the vine. The vine don't bear the fruit, but the branches bear the fruit. So you don't take the fruit off the vine. You take the fruit off the branch. And if the life that is in the branch is living himself out through, or the life that's in the vine is living himself out through the branch and producing fruit, then that declares that he's the same. Yesterday. Today. And he's going to produce fruit in your life tomorrow. And the next day. And the next day. And the next day. Quit worrying about tomorrow. Young people, quit worrying about what you're going to face tomorrow. Quit worrying. I had my little nine-year-old girl come up to me the other night. Papa, I want to know what God's purpose for my life is. I'm like, oh my goodness. At nine years old, you're already worried about that? Your purpose. Church, you want to hear what your purpose is tonight? It's to display Christ. That's the only purpose you got. You may, you may not make any money in life. You may make a lot of money in life. You may get married. You may not get married. But that doesn't mean that that's your purpose that God has. Your purpose is to declare that this word is alive. 
It's more than God on the pages of a book. It's more than a God of history. It's more than a God who's put a place up there in Jeffersonville, Indiana and made this great big kingdom. He's more than that kind of God, but he's a personal God. He's a living God, and he's here tonight to display himself in young, in middle age, in old age. God down through every age is here tonight to declare that he is the same. He said, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he, may buy, that, you, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. Oh, hallelujah. I'll tell you what, Brother Aaron, I'll just preach to you, because you're pulling really good right now. I want you to sit out here. I'm just kidding. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world, notice, this ain't for everybody. Oh, my church, if you just kiss the revelation, this is not for everybody. Even, excuse me, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither, neither knoweth him, but you know him. How do you know him? For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. That's how you know. I'll not leave you comfortless. I'll come to you yet a little while. The world will see me no more, but ye shall see me. Because I live, you're going to live also. Because I'm living. He's not a dead God. But because I'm alive, I'm going to live in your life. I'm going to overcome in your life. I'm going to display myself in your life. David, why did God bring you to Louisiana? Not that you wasn't part of a good church. Y'all were part of a great church. But God has something more in store for the Paris family, for the Liddell family, for the church family. God has something more for us. Otherwise, he wouldn't have never brought us here. But God is going to, he's declaring that I'm going to make myself known. When you walk out those doors and you face dark Laodicean age and the, the gross darkness upon the people and darkness upon the land, there's going to be a light and that light is being lived right here tonight. And when you go to Walmart, there's a light shining in Walmart because you just walked in Walmart. And it ain't just you, but it's you and Jesus. Jesus went to you to grocery store. Jesus went to you to buy your clothes. Jesus went with you when you went to school. It's Jesus there. It's Jesus on the job. It's Jesus wherever you go. It's Jesus in the bedroom. It's Jesus in the prayer closet. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What is it? He's on display. That token has got to be on display. And it's got to be made manifest tonight. Don't you put it off till tomorrow. Don't you wait till your favorite preacher. Let Jesus come and say, sirs, I want to see Jesus. I want to display Jesus. I want to represent Jesus. He says, my contentions is this. Jesus Christ remains the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Now, if he is the same, he's got to be the same in every principle, same in every power, same in might, same in everything that he was. A lot of times as message believers, we read this and we look at this and we tag the prophet and we fail to tag ourselves. Come on. We see the supernatural. We, the word may manifest the same signs, the same wonders, the sp- same in principle, same in power. Well, the prophet of God, he did those things. He declared in the 40s, in the 50s, in the 60s that that was Jesus 
Christ again. You're absolutely right. But it didn't just fall on his shoulders alone because that wasn't his message. That was God's message to God's people. Declare he was just a wave sheet waving over the group. There's more to come. There's more to come. I'm not just going to stay there in 65. And after 65, I cease to be God. I cease to move. I cease to have principle. I cease to have power. But no, now he's the same in principle. He's the same in power. He's the same in word. He's the same in healing. He's the same. in the, He's the very same God tonight as he ever was or he wasn't God to begin with. Notice now, I believe... He said, now this is the desire of every man and woman that ever heard of Jesus wants to see him. How many wants to see him tonight? And if he isn't the same, then we cannot see him. But if he is the same, then we can see him. Or he told something wrong. Yet a little while the world see me no more, but you should see me. For I, personal pronoun, I will be with you, even in you, to your first trial. Till you get sick. Till you go off to college. Until you have mind battles. No. I, the word, will be with you wherever you go. I'm there. And not only will he be with us, but he's going to be in us. That don't mean you find some secret compartment in your stomach and implant a Bible. No, but it's the spirit of this word, the anointing, the Christ of this word, now becoming materialized in the lived vessels. We find here in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 2. Hold on, let me back up. He says, now Jesus promised to be in his church. How many is a church tonight? Doing the same things that he did then until the end of the age. And now he said, the little while the, the world won't see me or see him no more. He says, then how would we see him? So there's a question that I put out to you tonight. How are we going to see Jesus if the world can't see him, but yet he is supposed to be seen? Sirs, we would see Jesus. He goes, we'd have to see his spirit if he's in us. We'd have to see his spirit. So all this emotion that we have in church, they want to tag that emotional. They want to tag that a holy roller. They want to tag that as out of church order. They're not seeing the same Jesus. Because I can take it back to Miriam. I can take it back to Daniel. I can take it back to David. I can take it back to our forefathers. And I can see where the emotion, the emotion follows the ministry. Follows the word. He says now, he, then he's got to be in a, and that spirit would have to do the same thing that it did then, or it wouldn't be the same spirit. Second Corinthians 3, and I got I to gotta speed up here, don't I? Because you are an epistle or a letter written in the hearts, known and read of all men, for so much as you manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. In verse 6, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but the spirit, for the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. 
And the prophet of God would tell us, and sirs, we would see Jesus. He says, now if tonight we would hunger and thirst to see the Lord Jesus, we as Christian believers should reflect his life so much till it would be his entire we would be his entire representative. We should be that every Christian should be a represent and reflect the life of Jesus Christ. And I believe that every Christian should be reflecting the life of Christ. He did everything that pleased God. He stayed with the word. That's what he wants us for. He wants us to stay with God's word, find our place, and then know where we are at. Stay with his word. I give us, I think of it. We're invited now. We, in, we are invited to shape our character to his character. Invited to shape our character. Now we're going to find out what he... He goes, shape our character into his own, by his own spirit. That's what the world needs today, is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. The resurrected Jesus Christ putting his being into power in the church. That's what the world needs tonight. See, no matter how fundamental, how your theology, how you've been trained through the Bible, if God doesn't vindicate it, it's wrong, you're wrong. The letter kill it, but the spirit maketh life. Now, we find men today, there's men today preaching that we're beyond the seventh age. And if you go beyond the seventh age, you break the scriptures. If you go beyond the seventh age and you go into an eighth age, and there's not an eighth age promised in the scripture, and when you do that, you go beyond the seventh age messenger, and therefore you completely destroy the effect of the word that it can have on the life. And yet the men have gone off with the letter, and they failed to take the spirit with it, because if the spirit was there, then it would know there's only seven ages. Oh, we're in a bride age. Absolutely. The bride age is not separate from Laodicea. It's a portion of the word that's pertained to the bride body. It's only for the bride. And it's a bride revelation. It's a bride revelation. It's a bride rapture. It's a bride understanding. It's only for the bride. Why? Because it's Jesus Christ in the bride. In Laodicea, raising above the cares of this world. See, many people, Brother Bram says, many people taking the letter and the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And they take creeds and so forth, still killeth. And when you're taking the Spirit, that's God himself. How do you know it's God? Because he's taking the word and manifesting it. Taking the word. How do you know that a prophet is a true prophet? When the word that he prophesies come to pass. How do you know you're displaying Christ? When you're displaying what his word declares. If your life doesn't measure up to this word, then it shows there's something void in that life. Sisters, if you can cut your hair, if you can put on makeup, it shows that your life is void of the spirit. Young men, you can put on these little skinny jeans and skinny warm-ups and skinny this and skinny that and look at this and look at that and do things that you know is vexing your righteous soul. If you can do that, you don't have to come up here and say, I want to know if I got the Holy Ghost. You know right now, you don't have that spirit. Because the spirit that's in you is going to line up to this word because it's the word being made flesh. And if there's a weakness in your humanity, there is time to bring it under the blood. So now we find the spirit gives life but the letter killeth. And Paul will tell us, for our gospel came not in word only, not in doctrine and teaching only, but also in power. That word power is dunamis, power to work miracles. Oh, I love that. 
and of the Holy Ghost and much assurance as you know what manner of men we are for your sake. So we find now, we want to get into the presence. We want to be in his presence. We don't want it to be something that we have to conjure up, manufacture. We want it to be the real presence of God. When we come in and we worship, you may have an awful day. How many have ever had an awful day? Don't raise your hand. We all had awful days. Well, my little daughter, nine years old, raising her hand. Had an awful, she don't even know what awful is yet. Just wait, honey, it gets worse. We have awful days. And a lot of times they're awful on Wednesday night. And you come in, you don't feel like worshiping. You don't feel like praising. You don't feel like anything but taking a nap. And some of you got to drag your hide to church. And you better be glad you got a spouse. Because that spouse is a lot of times doing the dragging. Come on. And maybe sometimes it's for the wrong reason. But nevertheless, whatever it takes to get you to the house of God. But if we would just realize, who are we going to meet? Man, we have heard of Sister Lana's testimony. We have heard of Sister Mariah's testimony. We have heard how little Drew got up in the middle of the floor. A young boy who's never walked before got up and began to walk. And he's never stopped walking since. If we, we just heard these things and we heard these things. But sirs, tonight... We can see the same Jesus. We can see that same display of the supernatural. It's not in Brother Aaron. It's not in Brother Joe. It's not in Brother Tim or Timothy or Brother Ron or any single one-man ministry. It's not just in the ministry. It's Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. The hope. And where there's hope, there's faith. And where there's faith, there's miracles. Where there's hope, there's faith to believe. And when there's faith to believe, God's going to honor that word. He's going to honor that faith. And he's going to produce the substance of the word. Let me just find some places to bring this thing to a halt. Brother Ben will tell us, the scriptures, no matter how well you know them, if the spirit doesn't quicken them, then the letter killeth. But the spirit gives life. It must be quickened or made alive by the Spirit. If the Spirit doesn't liven the Word and make it a reality to you, then the letter is just intellectual, and just intellectual faith won't work. You're not in fellowship yet. Now, I made a statement several years ago that I don't care too much for teaching. Now, that, that statement was completely taken out of context. I don't care for dry, unanointed, uninspired teaching. But if you're going to stand behind this pulpit and you are an anointed servant of God who's inspired and the Spirit of God is on you and you preach the Word and teach the Word that grounds me in my faith and I'm not sitting here listening to some monotone somebody that can just follow the concordance and tie a bunch of scriptures together and do a little searching in the computer and bring this and bring this and bring this. But yet at the end of the day, there's no life there. I don't want that kind of teaching. And nor should we accept that kind of teaching. But you give me God-inspired. You give me God-anointed. You give me Holy Ghost-vindicated teaching. I'll take that teaching. It'll build you up in the most perfect faith. See, we don't want just intellectual preaching. Men who study the Bible, study the message, can quote scriptures and recite paragraphs, but yet their congregations are dead. 
Young people, no young people are coming to the Lord. No freedom to worship. Three songs, they're done. No freedom in the church to worship. I had a brother write me a while back. He said, Brother Joe, he goes, I wish, I wish your church could be here. He's on the other side in Canada. I think he's in Quebec somewhere. He goes, I wish, I wish your church could be here. I wish our church had what you had. I replied, I said, won't you go to praying and say, God, let the revival start with me. You don't need even like tabernacle to get that. Oh, you got to have a sincere heart and say, God, I'm going before the altar of grace. And I'm going to pray, God, and I want you to start with me. Let me be the spark. Let me be the revival. Let me be the one that turns my church family upside down or my home upside down. Let me be the one that becomes under the influence of the word of this hour. And let my life be a manifestation of Jesus Christ today. See, we want God-inspired, spirit-anointed preaching. We want a living God, living himself out from behind the pulpit. I don't want a preacher to stand up here and live something that he doesn't preach. I have no use for it, and nor should you. But I want it God-inspired. And if you're, you're teaching, your church don't have a spirit in it, it doesn't have the dynamics to make the mechanics work, it's dead. Your religion is dead, your church is dead, and you are dead. Well, Brother Joe, that's very bold. No, that's just the truth. The letter killeth, but the spirit is what giveth life. Amen. So that spirit's got to marry up to the letter Amen. and make this letter make manifest. Jesus Christ today. Jesus Christ today. John 14, as I start bringing this to a close. John 14 and verse 12. And he that believeth on me in the works that I do... Shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. The same works. How many of you ready to go before Lazarus' grave and call, call forth your Lazarus? Nobody? Nah, but the same works that I do. Don't sell yourself short. The same works that I do shall you do also. And greater than these. Not greater in quality, but greater in quantity. Because now he's in a multi-member body. Sometimes we struggle, Brother Aaron, with producing that word. Because we only think, well, it's just for a prophet. Or it's just for the generals. Brother Ron, Brother Tim, Brother Donnie, the great figureheads of the message today. But it's for each of us here tonight. The same signs, the same wonders, the same supernatural, the same revelation, the same God. The same in every detail. The same one that walked the shores of Galilee is walking the aisles of Eden Light Tabernacle tonight. And he says the same things that I did when I lived there, when I walked there, when I breathed there, is the same things you can do tonight. What about alopecia? God proved he's greater. What about cancer? God proved he's greater. What about our problems and barrenness? God proved I will, I can. I cannot change. For I am God and I change not. So let me bring this. My, 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 I got so much I'm just going to have to skip. We're going to bring it home right here. Y'all ready to bring it home?
Okay, that's a good response. Really good response. <laughs> Brother Aaron said, be careful. You get a shout of amen, people start running out. Whoa, back up. Brother Bram said, Jesus is so close to coming to the earth now until his power has begun to catch the people and winding them up, getting them ready for the bride. Getting ready to be caught up in the rapture. Notice now, I want you to follow this. A church that'll just fit just exactly to be taken up. Through its power, the church's power, will draw all the rest of them that's born again out of the earth. Your life, Christ living through you in such power, in such manifestation, is calling him back to earth to catch away this body, this broad body. And not only that, there's a power inside of you that's going to go down into the grave and call all those that have been born again down through the ages to come up with us. And we're going to take a universal rapture, not for just a, not just for denominations, but it's only for the elect. It's only for the bride. It's only for those that are displaying Jesus Christ today. I'm going to tell you, sirs, we're seeing Jesus. Not a denomination, not a creed, not a dogma, not a history, but a living God. A living God, a breathing God, a talking God, a powerful God. I'm telling you, a God that manifests the word. A God and a little housewife that can put a hand on a fevered brow and say, in Jesus' name. Fever, you got to go. And it leaves. That's the power that's in it. Well, Brother Joe, that's small. It's the same power. I took a little lady right about there. She come dancing down through and made a few laps. It's that same power. How many of we've heard the Welsh revival? Let me just go into this as I bring this to a close. A century ago, back in 1904, Wales experienced... One of the last national religious revivals. Over 100,000 new converts came to the Lord and it spread through the four corners of the world. And yet the beginnings didn't have well-known preachers, didn't come from the seminary. They wanted men maybe come from the mines so that they couldn't tag intellectual understanding to it and preach an intellectual gospel. But they wanted anointing. They wanted real revival. Men began to pray. There was a Reverend Joseph Jenkins. He had been for some months concerned about the low state of spirituality in the churches in the air. And he set out organizing conventions to remedy the situation. And he held his first meeting on December 31st, 1903. And on January 1st, 1904, his challenging message eventually began to affect the youth of the church. Let me tell you, young people, don't you despise your youth. Don't you despise your youth. God has you here for a purpose. God needs you in this church. God wants you in this church. And notice, his messages, Brother Timothy's messages, Brother Aaron's message, Brother Tim's message, those men that stand behind this pulpit, those messages begin to affect the youth. What happened to you, Lemuel? In Oklahoma, Brother Timothy. Oh, you're, he's common. He's Uncle Tim. Uncle Timothy. Uh-uh. But there was Christ being made manifest, and it had an effect on your life. 
Seeking a deeper commitment, Miss Flory Evans asked for advice. How could she have a deeper commitment to the Lord? And, and he asked her, Reverend Jenkins asked her if Jesus was the Lord of her life. And on the second, or the, on the second Sunday of February 1904, in a, in a youth meeting following the Sunday morning service, Jenkins asked for personal testimonies, and some tried to speak on other issues, but he redirected her focus back to the Lord, and there was a prolonged silence. And then suddenly, a young girl by the name of Flory Evans rose to her feet, she spoke very softly, but in a trembling voice. I love the Lord with all my heart. I love the Lord. It's just that simple. You don't have to scream like Brother Joe. Sometimes I wish I didn't scream like Brother Joe. But she said very softly with a trembling voice, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. And W.T. Steed, he was a, a journalizer, a guy who actually reported the news back then. He said, the pathos and of the passion of the avowal of that young girl acted like an electric shock upon the congregation. One after another rose and made a full surrender. And the news spread like wildfire from the place to place that the revival had broken out and that souls were being gathered to the Lord. Those words spoken softly. But in reverence, I love the Lord with all my heart was the spark that started the Welch revival. Say, what can I do, Brother Joe? Just fall in love with him. Just fall in love with him. G. Campbell Morgan put it this way. He goes, if you and I could stand above wells looking at it, you would see fires breaking out here and there and yonder and somewhere else without any collusion or any prearrangement. It's a divine visitation in which God, let me say this reverently, in which God is saying to us, see what I can do without the things you're depending on. God is saying, look what I can do without the things you're depending on. See what I can do in answer to a praying people. See what I can do through the simplest who are ready to fall in line and depend on the holy and absolutely upon me. Brother Brandon would tell us on the, in, in the Welsh Revival, he said there started a bunch of illiterate people just preaching the gospel. And the power of the glory of God began to fall until the businessmen would go to work and sit down at their desks and weep like babies and close their business. Farmers in the field would be sitting on their plows, plowing. They'd stop their teams and get out in the field. Rank sinners raise up their hands to God and cry out for mercy. People walking on the roads and whistles started blowing and everything. There was revival on. And there were some that said there was less drinking, less idleness, less gambling. Men record without almost incredulous amazement how one football player after another Four sworn cards and drink and gladiatorial games, and is living a sober and godly life, putting his energy into revival. See, what was the Welsh revival? It was Jesus Christ on display, saying that I can do this in your life. That wasn't a reverend, that wasn't a move of Flory Evans, that wasn't a move of Reverend Jenkins. That was a move of God. And Brother Bam says, and that's what America needs tonight. It doesn't need Billy Graham. It doesn't need Oral Robert. What it needs tonight is a Holy Ghost moving among the people, claiming the year of freedom. Men would go down and pray over a culvert. We heard this. 
He would pray over a culvert and say, God, you see the city. You see how they are. You come down here when they pass over this culvert. May they fall under conviction. He went down into the, the place and the establishment to have lunch. And he asked if he could give the blessing over the food. And he stood up and he said, Lord, cause every man, every woman to sit at this table to come under conviction. And men would pass over the culvert and stop their horses on the road and start weeping and crying. Men and women would come to the table, sit down and get their food and push it back and would weep and cry and repent. He goes, and that's the kind of revival we need tonight. Where God gets amongst the people. God out amongst the people. Not in textbooks. Not in theological discussions. Not in halls of classroom. Not a God of history. Not a God of the past. But a God that's the same today. A God that's the same today. I want the musicians to start making their way back. Brother Andrew, you can give me some preacher chords. Some great men in our nation thought that they would go over and see what this Welsh revival was all about. As they went over there, they went out and they, they sought to find the building. Notice, they thought the revival was a location. The revival is a location. We're going, we want to go over there. We're going, to, we're going to sail across the seas, and we're going to find out what this revival is about. And we're going to go to this location. Don't mistake the bride's revival for a certain church. Don't mistake the bride's revival for a certain ministry. That you have to, send a, you have to attend a certain church because that's where you see the moving of the Spirit. If I can just get there. He says, some nobleman from the church went to the wells to understand, to figure out what all the mechanics was in this revival. They wanted to know the mechanics of the revival. Man, I want to be able to take this certain quote here and tie this quote and cherry pick because we know we got these key words around the message. If I can just tie them together, maybe I can preach or maybe I can spark a revival. You can take every quote you want and stack it on top of each other. Unless the Spirit of God is there, it will be as dead as midnight. They go down and to the town of Wells and they find a little policeman. Just twirling his baton. Just directing traffic. Common, everyday Caleb. Just a normal guy. Just twirling his baton, David. And they come up to him. My good man. Could you tell me? We come all the way from America. You know, they're distinguished. Big tall hats on. Collar turned around. I'm sure they, very, they talk very intellectual. I can't talk intellectual because I'm from Mississippi. You can say amen to that. But he's just common, everyday policeman. He ain't got a bunch of money. He ain't got a very prestigious job. But what he's got, he knows what he's got. My good man, can you tell me? Could you tell us? We come all the way from America. We heard about the revival that sparked over here in Wales. Could you tell us where the wealth revival is? Oh, I can just imagine a smile lit up across his, pray, his face, Brother L. Why, sure, I can tell you where the, the wealth revival is. You're looking at it. You're standing in the presence of the wealth revival. Well, what do you mean? I'm here to tell you that I've gotten so full of the Holy Ghost that I have become the wealth revival. I have become 
so full of Jesus Christ today that I have become the bride's revival. Don't look to a building. Don't look to a ministry. Look here tonight. It's Jesus Christ. Sir, we will see Jesus. We are seeing Jesus. We are seeing the revival. We are seeing the bride manifestation. We are seeing supernatural. We are seeing the sick healed. We are seeing the lost saved. We are seeing it, church. We're seeing it. He's Jesus Christ tonight. If he ever was God, he's God today. Twirling our baton. Well, Brother Joe, I done heard so much, Brother Johnny, about this bride's revival. Could you tell me? Could anybody here tell me where I could go and find that revival? Oh, where's it at? Right here. Brother Joe, here it is. Here it is. I am the bride's revival. You're not waiting on it. It's here. You don't have to wait till the October meeting. It's here. He's here. The power's here. The anointing's here. The angel's here. It's here. The bride's revival is on. Keep standing. I'm closing. Brother Brown makes this statement. He says, now, my contention is this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible said so. So Jesus, when he was here on earth, he claimed that he was going to turn back to the Father again in the form of the Spirit. But he would come in the form of the Holy Ghost and would abide with us forever. And the very same works that he did he would do through the church until he come again. Are you ready? Are you ready to manifest? Can I share some testimonies with you as you're standing? See, people, don't let your focus be on a single ministry. We have a wonderful ministry here, but that's not all of it. God's got ministry like this around the world. He's got men of God standing for the truth, proclaiming the, the very presence that I spoke about tonight. See, he's the same today. Same in every detail, except the corporal body. Same in his ability to heal, as he did the leper. Same as his power to raise the dead, as he did Lazarus, as he did Jairus' daughter. Same power to cast out devils, as he did Mary Magdala and the maniac of Gadaria. Same in the power to save and to change a life as he did the woman at the well. And we find right here at our local church, Brother Gary Stanky at the brink of death, God completely healed and delivered. That was God. That wasn't Tim Pruitt walking in the hospital room. That was God walking in a hospital room. My father-in-law fell dead one night. They revived him. That wasn't the doctors, but that was God. God's the only one that can give life. We find Sister Karen Pruitt with all the brain bleeds that she had. God restored her every time. We find Drew Dexter not able to walk, and yet God touched Sister Jessica Conroy. Was set free from epilepsy and a suicidal spirit. And some of our young girls were set free from a suicidal spirit. Is that Brother Aaron? Does that have something to do with Brother Joe? No, that's Jesus Christ. 
We heard how he healed our sister Lana from stage four non-Hoskins cancer. How he restored Sister Mariah Pruitt's hair from alopecia. How he went after Justin Ware after his sister came forward on a Wednesday night praying that God, I want you to go after my brother. We heard how seven spirits were cast out at the youth camp. We heard all these things, sir. Church, what is it we're seeing, Jesus? I was preaching week four last, and a sister was in a church, had a rotator, uh, rotator cuff tear, and she was in a lot of pain. But before the service was out, she came forward and said, God healed me. And she could raise her arms above her head. That's not Brother Joe. That's not having to do anything with a man. That's Jesus Christ today. Brother Ron Spencer's church, Brother Doug Hill claps in the church at the end of a service and we call for his life and a return and he's a healthy to this minute. There was a sister Tabitha dying in the hours. She was dying in hours of suffering with liver disease for years, feeling impressed to go and pray for her. The Spirit of the Lord spoke, tomorrow you will walk down the hall and she is strong and a healthy nurse today. What is it, church? It's Jesus Christ the same today as he was yesterday. Don't just put your focus on a prophet. We need a prophet. But the very same time that Jesus did, you're going to do also the very supernatural, the very same word you're going to display. Brother Jason Jackson said, Brother Tim McComas, little boy, was turned. His feet were turned so bad till he fell every time that he walked he put his feet in his hands and he prayed and he felt his ankles move. And after service, his feet were completely healed. I'm talking to you about Jesus. Mark Davis, another brother that goes to Brother Jason Jackson, had back surgeries, had nine back surgeries. And he was taking 2,000 milligrams of oxycodone and he quit cold turkey. He was so bad till he slept with his clothes on because he couldn't get up, because he couldn't get up. He says, and one night he was sitting in a service and it just dropped in his heart that it's all over. And he was completely healed. And today he's back building and rebuilding cars because he's a mechanic. Brother Jason Watkins texted me and he said, a man left our local hospital with one kidney, born with it, only one, and it was a near total failure. Walked in one mile to our church because he heard the miracles happened here. He came in off the street on a Wednesday night service and told us of his situation. We gathered around him and offered prayer. He went back to the hospital and the kidney was 100%. He's not even a believer, but yet God honored the word. God honored the faith of the people. What am I telling you, church? I'm telling you, it's Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, he's a living God. He's not a dead God. He's not a prehistoric God. He's a living, made, manifest God for your need tonight. And he's here. I said, and he's here. Let me read you one last one. Brother Jewel Forney, a paralyzed man, was preaching at a church where a man had caught a disease in his spine that left him paralyzed for 14 years. He came up for prayer, and he asked Brother Jewel if he believed that the Lord would heal him. And y'all know Brother Jewel. He put it back on me. He said, do you believe? It ain't whether we believe or not. It's whether you believe or not. And he said, yeah, I believe. He goes, and that was on a Saturday night. Sunday night. He stood up out of that wheelchair for the first time in 14 years. <sighs> the first time. You say, well, Brother Joe, that's not much. What if you was in his place? What if you was bound to a wheelchair and that same guy passed by your way 
And he declared, I'm the same. I'm the same one that went to the, 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 the lake there. I'm the same one at the pool of Bethesda. And I came to raise you up. Said he went back to the doctor several weeks later and told the doctor what had happened. That the Lord had healed him. The doctor said, there's no way. You know how it is. You just believing. You just sitting back. Your feet are all bent up. Doctor, I'm going to tell you, two weeks ago, I was in service on a Wednesday night. This little five foot six preacher was preaching, and he was preaching about a Jesus Christ at the same today. And I, I believe I went up there and I asked him if he believed that God would heal me from this crippled disease. I've been in this chair for 14 years. The doctor looked at him and said, There's no way. There's no medical way. He said, What, Doc? I'll show you there's a way. And he took 300 steps. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, he's the same God today. He got up from that wheelchair and he took 300 steps in the face of the doctor, in the face of medical science, in the face of the enemy. I'm telling you, he's a living God. And no matter what you're facing tonight, he's the same. I said he's the same. He's God and he cannot change. I said he's God. I know he's God. How do you know, Brother Joe? Because I've been changed. Come on, Brother Mike. Oh, yeah. If you know he's God, if you serve him, then he's still God. If you hold, I know God is God. And God don't ever change. I know God is God. And Jesus is his name. And I remember the day you saved me. Oh, yeah. My sin and shame. I came up out of
give him praise tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We have a right to praise him. Amen. If we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. Hallelujah. Somebody's going to praise the Lord. It might as well be me. Can you say that tonight? I'm going to praise the Lord. Amen. Heal G. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I feel like praising, praising Him.
tonight. Amen. 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 We just want to continue to remember and pray for Brother Tim. Brother Timothy is there a way that the Lord would bring them home safely in a time of refreshing. Amen. And come back expecting again on Sunday that the Lord would move in a special way. Amen. Amen. Let's go singing that song. Amen. Victory is mine as we go tonight. Amen. Continue to remember these needs in prayer as well. Amen. And remember the tithes and the offering are there in the back as you leave this evening. Amen. Oh, victory is mine. And victory is mine. Oh, victory.